Good morning. I think I might be needing Nate's scooter soon. I'm having trouble with my right knee. And uh, I cannot detach my left hand from my right knee as much as I would like to. Uh, I cannot detach me sitting watching TV from my right knee. When I sit in the office and work, I cannot separate myself from my right knee. It goes with me all the time. In a sense, I just have to submit to it and manage it. It's there. When God is working around you, He is also working in you. I want to say that again. When God is working around you, He is also doing a work in you. You cannot detach yourself from the work that God is doing around you. Because you're in a body, just like my knee is connected to the rest of me, and throughout my life, and my chores, and even sleeping, so you and I are connected. And when God is working around us, and we know it, there might be that temptation to, well, withdraw, because that's not my issue. But God is always working, and when He's working around us, He's inviting us to join Him in His work. And in a sense, we then submit ourselves to what God is doing around us, and we submit ourselves to what God is doing in us. And when I submit to what God is doing around me, and when I submit to what God is doing in me, that submission goes through you as the body. When you submit to what God is doing around you, and when you submit to what God is doing in you, that submission goes through me. Because God says, submit one to another. Submit to one another. That's where we're going this morning. Submission. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we deal with the subject that <laughs> at times, it's, it's just hard to live out. We ask that you would guide our thoughts, check our hearts, check our motives, Lord, I pray. Teach us this morning what it means to submit in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to extend the reading from Ephesians 5.21. Uh, the last verse that was read, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to read four or five more verses. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, and Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up 
for her. Just reading that far. We are in the One Another series of uh, lessons. A few weeks ago, Jim, Jim introduced the subject uh, of one another, living in community uh, with one another. Uh, the following week, I spoke on love one another, and that's, and that's somewhat of an easy topic to live out. Sometimes there's a rub, but for the most part, uh, and it's easy to love one another. And then Jim spoke on speaking the truth in love to one another, and that's so necessary and so hard to do at times to speak the truth. Last week I spoke on love, uh, living harmony with one another. Also, somewhat of a relatively easy thing to do. Again, there's times when, when, when there's a rub, when it's just kind of awkward and difficult to live in harmony with one another, but it's not that much of a big issue. This morning, we deal with submit to one another. Paul made it clear, submit to one another. And it's clear enough that if we just took that to heart, I could say, amen, pray, and we can go. We're done. Because the Bible says it, submit to one another. But it's not that easy, is it? There's this natural inclination of us, this, this what I shared last week about this gut reaction where at times we don't want to submit. And coupled with our era that we live in now where personal rights trump over everything, decency and obligations to courtesy and deference and authority and responsibility, this topic of submission is almost a forbidden word in some circles. There have been times in my life where I have found it hard to submit. I could share some stories when I was in boot camp in the army. Short little sergeant about this high would get in my face and cuss me out and I just have to take it. But probably the hardest time for me to submit was a two-year period in the first school I worked at. So I want to share this with you, and it's going to take some time for me to share the story with you. And I've shared some of it before, but not in as much detail as I will now. God called me, when I was in high school, God called me to Christian ministry. I finished high school, went into Bible college, uh, had to go into two years army service after that, and I was a young pastor in 1990, I was a young pastor, and God clearly told me one day I would be in education. I thought it would be in college, teaching a professor. Got my class, teaching three or four subjects a week, and my little office down in the corner of a basement in a building somewhere, and, and that would be it. It sounded great. And so I started preparing, because this, oh, it was unmistakable to me. So I started enrolling in some graduate classes, and about eight years later, half a world away, I'm pastoring a little church in North Carolina. There's a lot in between there I'm not going to go into. While I was serving that church, the local Christian school invited me to speak in chapel a few times. 
Then they invited me to a substitute. They called me once and said, we've got a crisis, help us, please. And I, I just knew that I love to teach. And in 2000, the year 2000, I began teaching for them full time. The school was only a few years old. Uh, the school was renting space from two separate churches. Uh, the school board was doing the best they can. But those first six years were chaotic. There were good times, no doubt about it. There was victories, but there were aspects of serving there that were just so hard. We went through three leaders in two years, and then at the beginning of my third year, the school hired a new headmaster. He had a good resume. He had worked at several schools prior to that, he had graduate degrees, he was a good administrator, a good speaker. Uh, I, was, I was asked, even though I had only been there a couple of years, I was asked to serve uh, on the search committee, um, representing the staff, and we interviewed, the staff interviewed him, and, and there was a red flag that he had been nowhere in his 20-odd year career more than two or three years. And I brought this to the board's attention and shared it, shared it with him. But they hired him. And in the first week of my third year, his first year, we quickly found out that this man had a problem with his temper. I'll share just two stories with you. Uh, that year, I was the senior class sponsor which means as an adult on staff, I kind of shepherded the senior class in their fundraising for their senior trip. And one of the students on the senior class committee came to me very frustrated because she had received a statement from a bookkeeper of the senior class money and the headmaster had expensed some of the money out of the account. Now that's his prerogative if it's senior class expenses but this young lady didn't think it was, and I didn't think it was. So I went to the headmaster and told him. I shared with him our thoughts, and uh, man, he got mad with me. But he uh, backed up, and he uh, changed that expense. Sometime later, my son, who was, I think, then he was in maybe seventh, eighth grade, uh, was in the locker room with a friend getting their books and they were going to be late for class and the headmaster walks by and says to Daniel and his friend, uh, you need to hurry up, you're going to be late for class. And my son says mistakenly, yes, ma'am. Now students do that, okay? He took off. He went into this tirade about... He is not confused about his masculinity. He questioned my son's masculinity. He questioned my masculinity. And my classroom was across the hall from the locker room. And my son came into the classroom. <laughs> Without going to his classroom, he was so mad. His little seventh grade heart had been torn to shreds. And my son wanted me to march down that hall and smack that man in the nose. 
I wanted to march down that hall. <laughs> About three hours later, I went and saw him. And it didn't go well, the first part of the conversation. He reminded me, in not a very calm tone, that he was my boss. He threatened to fire me. But I just held my cool. And I calmly said to him, well, that's your prerogative. But you had no right to talk to my son the way you did. You had no right to talk to me, to my son. I mean, talk about me to my son the way you did. And we went back and forward for several minutes, and to his credit, he calmed down and apologized. And um, went and apologized to my son. God put that man in authority over me. And I had to submit to him. It was not easy. He only lasted two years. He resigned um, after two years. And then the school board hired a hog farmer to lead our school. Uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, good man. Good, good man. Uh, he, he, had, he had left the hog farming business and had gone into ministry, but the extent of his ministry experience was in children's ministry. And I liked him. I didn't struggle under his leadership, but a number of other teachers did struggle under his leadership. He stayed about 18 months. Um, and then the school board promoted our director of development, who was a younger, well, about 10 years younger than me, he kind of spiked his hair up, kind of weird. Um, I think he still does, because I saw him at a conference about a year and a half ago. He still spiked his hair up. Um, in fact, he might be watching the service. Um, but he not only was a phenomenal leader of our school and a good friend of mine, he became my mentor. And in, in fact, I reached out to him just a few weeks ago. I said, help, <laughs> I need some advice. The last seven years of working at that school were among the best seven years of ministry that I had had. The first six years were difficult, to say the least. The third and fourth year were extremely, extremely hard. Over and over during that two-year period, I went home and I said to my wife, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of there. I polished my resume numerous times. I looked for jobs. I prayed that the Lord would, would make a path for me to, to leave. And He didn't. He didn't. I didn't sign up for those first six years. That's not why I went to graduate school. I didn't go to graduate school to teach North Carolina history to a bunch of rednecks. I was from South Africa. What did I know about North Carolina history? Do you know what North Carolina's nickname is? No, it's not just a Tar Heel state. It's sometimes called the Rip Van Winkle state. 
Do you know the story about Rip Van Winkle? Went to sleep and woke up and the world had passed by? Oh, boy. <laughs> Seriously, North, North Carolina is sometimes called the Rip Van Winkle State. I, I, I jest. As a family, those were good years. Good years. As a Christian leader, as a pastor, as an educator, they were good years. I am so glad that God didn't open the door to me to leave that school when I asked. I'm so glad that God didn't answer my prayers to get out of there. You and I are refined by fire, not by snowflakes. God takes us through deep valleys so that we can learn to walk with Him. God creates, causes us to cross treacherous seas in rickety boats so that we can see Him walking on the storms of our life and then bringing calm to them. God puts holes through impossible mountains. If we fully trust in Him, He will bring order and purpose and peace out of our chaos. And if we will hang in there, when there are fires raging all around us that seem to be out of control, He will refine us like nothing else will. Job 23.10 He knows the way I take, and when He has tried me, I shall come out as gold. I am not suggesting to you for a moment <laughs> that I am gold. Far from it. But if God had answered my prayers to get out of that setting at that time, I would not have grown as an educator. If God had answered my prayers to leave after just a couple of years of, of rough stuff, I would not have grown as a leader. I would not be now having the immense privilege of leading Masses Academy and hanging out with you fine folk. I would not be walking through the season in our church along with all of you waiting expectantly to see where God is going to take us. And I would not have met Dylan. Dylan started at our school in 2006. I started in 2000. I'm not sure if God sent Dylan to our school as a student to challenge me or God brought Dylan to our school so that I would challenge him. We certainly challenged each other. I contacted Dylan this week, told him I was going to share the story. I asked him if I could use his name, and he said yes. Dylan and I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Dylan had a soft spot in my heart because some of his domestic issues mirrored mine when I was growing up. But Dylan came through our school, and he graduated and then he kind of disappeared, like many students do. Uh, about a year ago, Dylan and I connected on social media. And then last May, 10 o'clock at night, I get this text from him, and I'm going to read it to you. He said, hi, Mr. Smith, how are you doing? We exchanged kind of greetings, and then he says this. May sound weird, but just reflecting back on the fact that next month will be 10 years since I have graduated high school, 
I always heard from elders that time flies and you look back and it's gone. But it didn't set in until lately. If I never told you, I do appreciate the dedication that you had with my class, me in particular. And then we exchanged a few more comments and he said this. I know I actually found a few notes that you wrote to my mother on my report card. And I really appreciate it now more than I would have back then. That <laughs> was worth it. At times it's so hard to submit. But God calls us to submit to one another. In much of Paul's writings in the book of Ephesians, he's talking about church life, but he also touches on marriage. I can't see the time there. Marriage and parenting and workplace relationships. Noah Webster defines submit as to surrender to the power, will, or authority of another. To yield to one's opinion, to the, to the opinion or authority of another. That one's tough, isn't it? Submit means to yield one's opinion to the opinion or authority of another. Sometimes we have to just keep our mouths shut. <laughs> Submit is to be submissive, to yield without murmuring. Now, this is, this is 1800s language, because I took this from Webster's 1828 dictionary. Murmuring there is meaning complaining. So we are going to look at the subject of submitting from three angles. The who, the why, and the how. Okay. First of all, who. Who submits and who do we submit to? First of all, everyone submits to God. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Eventually, that Jesus is Lord. We have to get this right. And if we get this right, then the rest should follow. Second, citizens must submit to those in authority. 1 Peter 2.13, submit yourselves to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Hebrews 13, Romans 13, they say the same thing. Submit excuse me, to those in authority. Third, servants and employees must submit to their employers. 1 Peter 2.18, servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Seriously? <laughs> Peter, are you sure you didn't make a mistake there? I must submit to the unjust? Yeah. You have to submit to that person whose temper is out of control. You have to submit to that boss who's unreasonable. You have to submit even to the unjust. You think Saul was unjust? The way that he treated David? David could have pulled a spear out of the wall the first time that Saul tried to kill him and thrown it right back at him and we might have judged him as justified. But David never did, because Saul was his God 
appointed leader. Yes, even to the unjust. Fourth, wives submit to your husbands. Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3 says the same thing. Paul brings out an interesting tension in the subject of wives submitting to their husbands. It's clear that God established a leadership role in marriage. Responsibilities. That, that wasn't just in the ancient world when, uh, when women had less rights and protections as they have today. It's for all time. God's structure of marriage and the home is that the husband and wife are equal. We're equal, equal in value. We're equal in worth. We have equal access to God. We're both sinners saved by grace. But contrary to popular secular, secular opinion, we are different. We have different roles. We have different responsibilities. And we will be held accountable differently by God. God has called us men to be leaders in our homes, to take that responsibility, and He will hold us accountable for it. God has called women to follow their husbands' leading, especially in those rare times. And I emphasize the word rare, especially in those rare times when there might be a difference of thought or opinion or direction. I wasn't meaning to say something funny. Seriously, though, for the most part, in fact, throughout life, husbands and wives, we should be able to be mature enough to sit and talk it through, come to an agreement, compromise. But if there has to be a decision, and you disagree on that decision, and it has to be made, then us men have to take that responsibility. And we have to take ownership if it doesn't work out. And our wives will tell us. <laughs> but here's the tension. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for all are one in Christ. In other words, submit, yes, even in marriage, submit to one another. Come on, wives, you could have said amen. In that sentence, Paul broke down the barriers between Jews and Greeks. He said, slaves and masters are equal before God and the law. <laughs> and Paul condemned the hateful aspects inherent in some masculine pride. Men, we must admit... <laughs> That some of our pride, some of our chauvinism is hurtful, destructive, damaging. God calls us to submit to one another. I told you that I had attended a little college right after high school. It was small, conservative. It was small enough that we as students rubbed shoulders with the president of the school um, a lot. We got to know him. 
Um, for a two-year period, the president of our school was a guy called Richard Grandstaff. We called him Reverend Grandstaff. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't an academic guy. He was a pastor, a missionary, uh, extremely godly man, very, very conservative. His wife was very conservative. But, but just great, great people. His wife, Jean, had a very strong personality. She was loud. She was a good talker. Good, good speaker. But, but she was a strong woman. And that personality came out many, many times. But there was no doubt in their respective roles in their relationship as husband and wife. No doubt in at all. One day somebody asked Richard, are you henpecked? <laughs> and his answer is Brilliant. He said, if you're asking me if I love my wife, the answer is yes. Wow, what a good answer. What a good answer. Submitting to one another doesn't change the marriage responsibilities. Submit to one another. First point, children submit to parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then Paul throws an interesting thing in there to us dads. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not belittle them. Do not humiliate them, but bring them up in the discipline and in the nurture and the love and the fear of the Lord. Six, submit to one another. Submitting to one another is not only an act of obedience to God, it is also an act of trust in God. There are two great quotes. Don't hold on so tenaciously to your opinions that you threaten the peace of the church. That's pretty good. Don't hold on so tenaciously to your opinions that you threaten the peace of the church. And then another quote, in mutual subjection, the Christian spirit has its sharpest trials and attains its finest temper. Meditate on that thought. When we submit to one another, we might encounter our most difficult trials, but we will also encounter our most significant victories when we submit to one another. So that's the who. Who submits? Second, why? Why do we submit to one another? Well, simply, the Bible tells us to. Second Peter 2.13, Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men. To rebel against authority, therefore, is tantamount to rebel against God. That's why Christians throughout the ages have allowed themselves to be martyrs rather than oppose their leaders. Second, about why submitting to one another is their foundational cornerstone of any organization. It's required in a family. It's required in a business. It's required on a sports team. It's required in church that we submit to one another. Third, because Christ is the head. 
That's why I said earlier, when I submit to Christ, that submission goes through you. When you submit to Christ, that submission goes through me. We submit to one another as we submit to Christ. And fourth, I shared this last week. I'll share it again because we are being watched. If we don't submit to one another, how will our children learn to submit to God? If they hear you ridiculing your leaders, your children will, really, will ridicule us. Did you get that? If your children hear you ridiculing your leaders, your children will have license to ridicule me as the head of our school. They're watching us. Husbands, if you bully your wife with the you must submit to me card, how will your children learn to submit to God? Wives, if you disrespect your wife, <laughs> if wives, if you disrespect your husbands, if you emasculate him with your comments and your actions, how will your children learn to submit to God? And then lastly, how? How do we submit to one another? I'm going to pull back or come back to four verses in Ephesians chapter 5 on how do we submit to one another. First of all, carefully. Carefully. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk. Watch your life. Guard your life. Guard your relationships. Second, respectfully. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word there, reverence, is also interpreted fear. The problem today is we don't fear God the way we should. Third, how do we submit to one another? As to the Lord. Paul says, Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Submit to one another as to the Lord. Submit to your boss as to to the Lord. And fourth point, as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Adam Clark says this, Here is a grand rule according to which every husband is called to act. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Husbands, when you talk down to and demean your wife, and when you play the submission card, can you truly say that you are acting just as Christ loved the church? Employers, supervisors, bosses, when you berate your staff member, and the tone you use and the words you use, can you then say just as Christ loved the church? Parents, when you belittle your children and exasperate them, can you say, <laughs> just as Christ loved the church? Children, when you talk back to your parents and you disrespect them, can you then say, I'm doing this just as Christ loved the church? Christians, all of us, when we talk about each other, 
when we criticize our leaders, can we honestly say that I'm doing this just as Christ loved the church? So what is God telling you? I know what He's telling me. God is telling me, I'm doing a work around you. And that is clear. God is doing a work around us. And God is saying, come, submit to my work. Submit to what God is doing around you, because I am also doing a work inside you. And if you will submit to it, if you will submit to it, you will see God's hand at work. Submit to one another. Let's pray. The Lord has touched on something in your in your life, I'm sure of it. There's the relationship that you have. It might be right in this church, right in this room, right now. That you need to fix because you haven't submitted. Maybe it's a relationship at home. That you cannot honestly say, just as Christ loved the church. Maybe it's a relationship at work. God is saying to us this morning, I'm doing a work around you. And as I'm doing this work around you, I'm also doing the work inside of you. Don't miss that. Submit to it. Submit to Him. Father God, this morning, We submit to you. What you're doing around us, Lord, might not make sense. It might raise more questions and it gives answers for us individually. In some circumstances, maybe at work, at home, submitting has become a burden. Hard. Help us to submit. Not for the paycheck. Not for the recognition from employees or bosses. Not even for those late night texts from old students. Father, we submit to you. And we submit to one another because that's what you require us to do. Help us to submit. And Lord, as the worship team leads us, they're going to sing about the altar. Lord, it's on that altar. Altar of our pride. The altar of our own personal opinions and rights. We want to put that on the altar. And we want to submit to you. Lead us to do that, Lord, I pray.
If the Lord is talking to you, respond to him. There's prayer partners at the altar on your left. You can pray on your own at your right. Let's stand and worship as the worship team leads us. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus States. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus
Just stay in a quiet moment with those thoughts. The Father's arms are wide open. There's forgiveness, acceptance. Father, go with us into this week, we ask. Bless the rest of this day. Bless each family, Lord, represented here in this room. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.